Well, we're back. Alrighty. Welcome to Unexplained hello, hello. Oregon. Woohoo! It's Kim Welcome and back. Christine. Yay! How are you doing, Kim? I'm doing good. <laughs> we're we're just plugging along here. We're you know uh, I think I, I actually I have to admit I have hit kind of a wall this week mm. with the isolation. Uh, but I think I feel like I let's see I've been home since March, mid March, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely busy in my day job, which I love. Like that's the one thing that I am going to be so grateful for because it's kept my mind very busy and occupied. Yeah. Without that, I don't know where I would be. Right. So my heart goes out for the people that don't are not working during this time because that's the one thing that has really saved me. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, just this week. I don't know. They're, you know, they're saying it's back out there and I have my parents living right next door to me. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're really safe and not hitting, going back out. I just feel like, uh, not to be negative, but 2020 is a bust and <laughs> we can kiss it all. Fuck fucking 2020. Goodbye, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, fuck 2020. Yeah. That's what, how I feel like I'm trying not to have that attitude at first, I was really like, okay, I can do this. And mm-hmm. the first couple months, I developed some <clears throat> walking routines and yeah. get up and squat course, every hour yeah. and do what you do to get through the day. And uh, I just, eh, so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so hopefully everybody's tuning in and uh, in a in a good mindset, and this will take you away from what's going on out there. Yeah, well, we're hoping that. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We're, you know, we're trying to, trying to distract people, right, by, uh, by talking yes. about creepy stuff. And we're so glad you're listening. Um, we are having so much fun doing this. And, and it's, again, kind of one of those things that we're doing because we, we like it. And it's... Because we want we to want talk to, to each talk other to each and other. we think you want to hear our conversations. Yeah, we think, we think that, uh, <laughs> God. So we're, we're interesting people. We are. No, I mean. Let's talk, you know, I, let's keep, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the stuff that we love to talk about. I mean, hello. Exactly. This is the wave of the future though. I mean, there are so many podcasts popping up, man, like left and right about everything. You can basically tune in and find anything you want out there. For sure. So it definitely does feel like uh, the new way to stay informed and I enjoy mm-hmm. it. So hopefully this is bringing enjoyment to people out there. Yeah. What are we going to talk about today? Well, today uh, we decided that we want to talk about uh, Unsolved Mysteries because it's back. I don't know. I, you said earlier, like, it was so sent just to chill up my spine when I heard the music. That music. I'm not kidding. I, it's back on. It's back on Netflix. Thank you, Netflix. Netflix has released it. Yeah. Yes. And it's done and so well. I liked it. I enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, I was a huge fan of the old one. The old Unsolved Mysteries ran from 1987 to about 2002. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, quite a while. It actually ran on three different networks wow. and then ended up being syndicated on Lifetime. So it was actually on the air way past 2002, but they had cases going from 1987 to 2002. Oh I think we all remember Robert Stack, yeah. the... 
the trench coat. guy. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, walking. He was yes, always in some like, creepy the side building, look. like empty yes. vacant warehouse, right? The music. It had all the yeah. elements of a wonderful show yeah. because it also does these reenactments with real actors <laughs> that kind of go into the crime and the theory yeah. of what happened. But with this new Netflix one, uh, it seemed like, so they're taking, with the old show, they had like several different cases in one episode. With this new show, they have, they focus on one case mm-hmm. with each episode. Yeah. So you're go- you're getting a little bit more, I feel, in depth to the person of who, you know, the, story. the mystery is surrounding around. And, and it does... But that that same music is still there. Mm-hmm. Robert Stack is no longer living, so he's not the host of this one. Yeah, and there's but... there's no narrator like that. There's, there's no, no narrator. Yeah, but you don't need one really, no. and I think this proves it. Oh my gosh. They just go right into it. Yeah. So so let's talk about my my one that I keep thinking about that I can't stop okay. thinking about, which is the story. About which one? The the rooftop. Right. I don't. Okay. Was that the title His, of it? What was the name of the actual oh, episode? What is the name of it? Um, did I write down? I don't remember the name of it. The the guy uh, that it that it's surrounded is Ray Rivera. Is that the guy's name that it yes, happens to? Yeah. Yes, Ray Rivera. I, uh, we'll look up and see what the name of it is. But really, really strange and sad case about basically this young man that's happy in his life married right newly married married, i think yeah and um so it's his wife on there talking about it and he goes missing and how he is found is really crazy Mm -hmm. like crazy what'd you think about it yeah um he his wife is out of town and she That's starts right. out and she's she's in the episode talking about how sort of like what led up to her realizing he had disappeared and there was you know she tried calling him and couldn't get through to his cell phone and talked to a friend mystery that's, on a rooftop yes that's what it's called mystery on a rooftop yeah yep. and ends up piecing together that he had left his home pretty quickly like unexpectedly and quickly left like that's right they had a house guest staying with them and she recalls she was in the other room and all the last she was basically the last person that saw this Mm -hmm. guy and she remembers him getting a phone call putting it down and leaving in a hurry and that's the last time anybody saw him. this was in 2006 so the phone call basically made him run out of the house he was in flip-flops he never told anybody where he was going and he died and it's so creepy how they the, the steps to how they found him it's the whole thing is super creepy and they still don't know really like what ha- i mean it the just all of it how they all of it i think they ended up finding his they found his car am i correct in a parking garage first and that's how it kind of led them to this point Mm -hmm. and then what's really creepy is is they were looking off of this parking garage 
onto this other building, they saw a hole and they thought, oh, that's strange. It's just like a perfect, it's not like the whole roof was caved in, correct? It was just like this, they could tell some kind of disturbance went on down there and, you know, not knowing if it had anything to do with Ray going missing, they end up investigating this building with this hole. And it's actually, what did they find? They actually see his flip flop, so that's what they see first. Okay, is his they flip-flop see his flip flop laying there and, by this hole. Yeah, and it's it's the I think the Baltimore Hotel. It's like a famous hotel there, and they end up finding his body. Uh, it somewhat appears, you know, like, and they kind of deem it a suicide at first, and. That's where they're taking this, but what's so strange about the case is his body was really torn up yeah. when they when they ended up investigating and finding this hole. So they end up finding Ray, and he had fallen through this hole, mm-hmm. uh, and thinking, okay, he, he jumped off this building, but then when they went to go look where... The hole was in conjunction to where they think he could have fallen off. It didn't line up. No. Like they cannot figure out how he ended up where he did. And the only possible way he ended up there was from the top of the hotel. And to get up there is pretty intense. Like you can't just walk into the hotel and go, and go up no, to the roof. And nobody, People have tried it. Nobody saw him. Yeah. And the ledge that he would have been on was, like you said, difficult to get to. It was like a really ornate, like the building was built a long time ago and the ledge was more ornate than anything. So him being up on that, it wasn't even really considered a ledge. Like it's creepy. The whole thing is weird. And so, like I said, they find him. He's pretty banged up. He's been there legs are broken and he's been there for he has a lot of injuries he's been there for been there for a while and his Uh, decomposition was yeah pretty bad apparently did they find his cell phone by the hole or with him i know they found a cell phone but his cell phone was completely undamaged and his eyeglasses and that threw them for a loop and his eyeglasses were undamaged and his wife has his flip-flops and there's weird stuff about the flip-flops and Within a few days, his wife, I think, decides to really look through their house to try to figure out, like, if there's anything in their house, any clues. And she ends up finding these freaking notes that he wrote. That... <gasps> Taped to the back yes. of the computer. Yes, and yes, yes. she knows he wrote it that day because she found other notes that he had written ripped up in the garbage can the day he disappeared. So, And in these notes, he references those weird movies. I think Signs is one of them. He ref- he Born Identity signs. is two. Minority reporting, maybe. Like, he, he, he likes Tom all these, Like, Ray, what? Ray, what, what were thinking? you thinking? No. What was going on? It was a pretty intense, weird note. It had to do with the Masons. She, right, and she didn't think, though, that it was a suicide no. note. After reading it. No, she, and she didn't think he, was it was. A pro, he was a writer. He, they 
said he was a prolific writer. Like, he was a writer. He wrote mm. he wrote things often. So it wasn't unusual. It was unusual how he, where he taped it and why it was there. And she took it to the police and not, right away. And I, I don't think anything ever happened. The whole thing, the way that it was handled as a suicide, the, the autopsy ended up being undetermined. So the, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't know how he died. So he wasn't shot. He wasn't. Well, they weren't. Hmm. The coroner was not willing to rule it as a suicide. So Hmm. it, it's just a really cool, creepy. It's an unsolved mystery. It totally falls under (laughs) that unsolved mystery. I don't even, I can't do the music. I know, but you definitely need to check it out and email us and let us know what you think about definitely. it. Definitely. It, it'll blow your mind. Another story on there uh, was actually, I didn't get excited, but it was about a whole family that goes missing. Mm-hmm. And we cover the Cowden family murders. And I'm like, ooh, this will follow along with the Cowden family murders. So yay. Uh, it You know, the show actually gets you... To the point where you think the whole family's gone missing. Beautiful family. Uh, French noble family. He, French aristocrat. Beautiful family. Three kids, I think. They end up going missing. And they can't find them anywhere. And what's really crazy about this case is it took some days for anyone to realize that anybody was missing. Uh, I think a maid or someone, a family Mm -hmm. friend that helped them, uh, ended up blowing the whistle here, calling the police. So the police end up going, going to the home, doing a well check. The whole place is boarded up, which usually all the wind, this lady is reported saying, uh, it never is like that. The windows are always open. So they end up keep going back to this house and they can't figure out how this entire family, where this entire family is. When they go into the house, the whole uh, house is immaculate. There, There's no crime that they think that has happened. Uh, when they look at the pictures, all the family photographs are, are taken out of the frames. So uh, it's just a really weird case. So as I said, the police kept going back to it and uh, they end up going back to this house like three or four times before they discover Mm -hmm. these bodies buried uh, down underneath the terrace. So they realize, you know, they start looking and uh, with these bodies and mind you, like I said, there's no blood in the home. There's no disturbance that's gone on in the home. These people have just come up mm-hmm. vanished. So they go they go in. They find these bodies. It's the mom, two of the kids in the same grave, and they've been wrapped up in duvet covers and buried with, like, uh, these people were Catholic, with uh, trinkets, like Catholic, you know, crosses and stuff. It looked to them like someone took mm-hmm. time to bury these people and cared about it more like a burial site. And then in the, and then in a separate grave was their other son. So then they get going and then they realize the dad isn't under here. So then it becomes a hunt for this guy. And 
so creepy because so by creepy. this time it's been a couple weeks, you know, since the crime itself. And so he's had some time to run. So the story goes into uh, why maybe he would have done this. You know, he was uh, about to lose all his money. and uh, But the lengths that he went to to go to. So this guy ends up doing all this. He paper trails himself. He uses his credit card. He travels uh, to where they first got married. It's almost like he's creating a trail for himself, for the authorities. He went through all this effort to hide these bodies and, and make sure that they were not found. He even sent letters after the murder saying, we're in we're in America. We've been relocated. So he definitely went to a great lengths to cover up this crime. And then he paper trails himself using his credit card, going to the ATM. They have a picture of him at the ATM getting money out, uh, eating at a restaurant. He ends up at this one hotel, and you see him. And they basically, uh, so all his family was shot. Each person was shot two times in the head and executed. They see and they figure out that the gun that was used was one that he had inherited from his dad two weeks before. So they have video of this guy uh, basically parking his car, walking off with the case they think is the gun over his back, and walking into the wilderness. And they think, okay... He went to, he shot all his family. He went back and did a little memory lane trip about where they got married and da, da, da. now he's going to go kill himself. So they end up going and searching that terrain area and they have never found the guy. So, yeah. Oh so here's someone gosh. that, I mean, went to great lengths to, to do this crime. And at first, the general consensus from everyone in his family was he was a wonderful father. Everybody basically thought he went to go kill himself. But the fact of the matter is they've never Mm -hmm. found him. So there's theories that he ended up getting on a cargo uh, ship and now he's in Latin America. I mean, they just don't know. So definitely a good one to check out. It is subtitles. It's French. <laughs> if you can get through that. Uh, once you get going, it's worth a watch, though. Once you get... I enjoy that accent. I was watching it, yeah. and my husband's like, what are you watching? <laughs> but uh, it's it's a definitely a good one to watch. The other episode that we're going to talk about in Unsolved... I think there's like six episodes all together, right? And, and, and the other ones... Yeah are pretty much, they know what happened and they're searching for the person that did the crime, right? I mean, there isn't so much, but they also have thrown in a lovely one about UFOs that is really creepy. Like, this is surrounded by a particular case on a particular day that happened in September 1st, 1969, in Massachusetts and they have all these different accounts. Mm. They go into like three different stories of people and their different stories. These are people that don't know each other. They all experience something on this night. And I have to say when you watch it, it's, you know, the UFO is just one phenomena for me that it's hard for me to wrap my head around. And I think it's because it's the scariest one. (laughs) 
Mm -hmm. I mean, to think that, you know, there's a more intelligent source out there and they could possibly be in control of us. My mind doesn't want to go there. It really doesn't. So uh, it's easy for me to be very skeptical when I hear UFO stories. My mind tends to not believe it. But when you watch this, uh, it... A couple of the stories, it happened to um, these people when they were children. And so it's just a different take on it. And they have an adorable elder lady on there. And she experienced this when it happened. And now she's older, but she's so adorable. She's like, if I get Alzheimer's, there's one thing that I will remember. And it is this. (laughs) She is adamant that this happened. (laughs) And she is adorable. I, I thought what was interesting, I'm, I'm with you on this, like the, everyone being interviewed for the episode were like legitimate and I felt they were, Oh my I mean, they didn't get that feeling like, Oh, they just want attention. You know, even the one guy on there, he's like, look, I've lived here generations in this town, in the same house. Why would I bring this on? Like I, why would I do that to myself? Yeah, I I think it's interesting, like, these people all had something happen to them, and it impacted them, and it's, I I think you and I just, it was so weird, because we were talking, and we both had realized that we had already watched it, and we were, like, freaking out about the UFO one, just because it's done so well, and I've watched the Ray episode twice now, I just made my husband watch it, so there's just... The way that it's filmed, the way that it, it it's presented, the, the people that are, you can tell they, they definitely took the time to make sure their episodes were done well. and that they, I think a little bit more so than the original show. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the original show, we had the fun reenactments, and, and this one still does have reenactments, right, with actors. Uh, it just... I think this one definitely goes into more of a backstory and takes a lot more time with the cases mm-hmm. uh, and and get you there. I'm excited for it. I can't wait for the second season. I'm probably going to watch all these over again. Cause... Yeah, I mean, what sucks <laughs> about Netflix is they release all of the shows in one swoop. So, I, I, you know, like me, I binge watch it all. Yeah. And then, you oh, know, me too. I'm, I'm done. I know. Like, and I'm done. I'm like, oh. So, yeah, uh, definitely check it out. I think this falls along. We're going to attach a little conversation that I have with my dad to this episode about his experience. This is just something that happened to him in the early 80s down at Lost Creek Lake kind of interesting it doesn't really i mean you're you're gonna hear it and not think oh i i haven't heard this before it's pretty common i think what happened uh but it is very interesting one thing that's interesting about is when it happened he was pretty hypnotized and that's one of the things that they've mentioned uh in the ufo one and unsolved mysteries is these children you're just hypnotized Mm -hmm. like can't move you you have no control and that's kind of what happened to my dad so you guys listen to this well and kim what's ironic is lost creek lake is it's on the way to crater lake it's all up in that area where and we keep talking about 
the things that are happening around Crater Lake or the things right. that are happening. So we'll just keep on that theme of, of you know, obviously. Definitely. I mean, like I said, yeah. this doesn't, you you probably, if you've heard UFO stories, you've heard this one before. But it definitely is unexplained. And it definitely happened in Oregon. So well, and I can't wait to hear, I can't wait right to hear your us. dad's story. Yes. I'm excited because I don't, I don't think he ever shared it with me. So I'm excited Oh, really? To hear it. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. So definitely listen to this little tidbit from my dad and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Everybody tune into our uh, episodes. We, and we thank you if you are. We're really enjoying this. We're doing this. It's bringing me lots of energy to just focus on something other than COVID. It really is. Yeah. Uh, get and your mind off of something other than what's, you know, out sure. there. I think, uh, I think the COVID thing the other day, I just realized, I think our tagline should be stay safe, stay home, stay safe, get creeped. Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Because <laughs> that's what we're doing. Because that's what we're doing. <laughs> if you're home, you're getting creeped. If you're home, Get creeped. And send us your creepy <laughs> stories. Please. Okay. We beg you. Okay. We beg you. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh All right. Gosh. Okay. Till next time. Till next time. Okay. Stay safe. Get creeped. Get creeped. <laughs> Hello, this is Kim's interview with her dad. I wanted to introduce my dad to you all. Uh, this is Dan. Hello. And uh, the reason why we have Dan on for this interview is because he has a very uh, interesting experience that happened in Southern Oregon. And the event happened in around 1984 uh, at Lost Creek Lake. So we are going to talk about that today, and uh, I just wanted to reiterate, I've kind of already said this before, we are not on here stating that this was, you know, an alien abduction about to happen or anything, <laughs> or, you know, uh, we, we're, just near, we're just merely wanting to... Uh, share this experience because Christine and I think it's interesting. It is it is an unidentified flying object, and it happened in Oregon. So that's why we find it interesting. That's why we wanted to share it today. And I wanted to say thank you for sharing it with us. This is a story that he hasn't shared with many people before. So we'll get into that after uh, our story. Just a little brief brief history of where this happened. It happened at Lost Creek Lake, which is uh, about 27 miles northeast of Medford. And uh, at the time, a little bit of history of the lake, the, the lake was constructed in 1977. It's the campground, the, cap, the campground that we were at was Stewart State Park, yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll go into, you know, what the campground looked like at the time that this happened. But keep in mind that when this did happen, the campground was fairly early mm -hmm. in development. And so the trees around were still very young in growth. 
Sorry, I just wanted everyone to keep that in mind before Dan tells us his story. So, Dan, I'm going to go ahead and just have you uh, tell us your cool story and what you recall of it. Okay. I've thought a lot about this since you mentioned doing this and uh, trying to figure out a, a way <clears throat> to describe the thing without sounding like I was crazy or um, would fail to get point across about the whole thing. First of all, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm not, there are people out there that believe in these sorts of things. There's people who do not. I'm not here to try to convince anybody pro or con. I, uh, I can't totally tell you what it was. I, I have a feeling I know what it wasn't, but I don't know exactly what it was. It was a uh, a very real, tangible, physical thing that, that happened. This happened at uh, <clears throat> Joseph Stewart State Park, which is uh, up above Lost Creek Lake. It's a lake that was formed by a dam on the Rogue River. And um, like Kim said, it was uh, very, not, not that long after the, the park had opened up. I think it opened up in 77, and this, to my best of my recollection, was uh, Memorial Day weekend, 1984. The park itself is to the west, immediately to the west of, I, I think it's Highway 234, which is the Crater Lake Highway. That oh, runs. interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so the Crater Lake Highway runs right in front of the park, and then on the opposite side of the, of the park, uh, there's a hillside that drops way down, several hundred feet down to the lake itself. Anyway, this was um, in the evening of a, a pretty long day. We had started out. We went, uh, I had the whole family, my wife. And, and just to stop you right there, a little back history. This was a campsite that we, I feel, had visited quite a yeah, bit. Yeah. Uh, because it was so fairly close to Medford, I feel like, I mean, we went there at least a couple times a year, don't yeah. you think, to camp? So yeah. we had been there quite a many yeah. times before this incident, correct? Yeah. Okay. And since. I, you know, and after. Yeah. Okay. So our start whole, with your day. Okay. Our whole family, I... I we were camping with another family, uh, a fellow that I worked with, and uh, his wife and their four children. I won't give you their last names because I haven't been in, in touch with them for well over 15 years, okay. probably, probably closer to 20, and I don't I have no idea where they are or whether they <laughs> care to be included in this or not, but their names were, I'll just say, Don and Betsy. Okay. Okay, so Don and I got up early that morning and went uh, up to the campground with, uh, he had his five-year-old son with him. And we went up there to set up the tents and adjoining campsites and sort of stake out our claim because it was the first holiday of the year and we knew that later on the place was going to get crowded. So I think your kids were probably still in school that day or whatever. So we, we did that very early in the morning and then left. And uh, 
decided to meet back there in the afternoon with our prospective families and so forth, which we did. Okay. And this was, uh, by the time we got back up there and we got everything unloaded and everybody settled and everything, it was late in the afternoon. I'm kind of guessing after five, say between five and six o'clock. And uh, we were sitting down to eat. We had, um, there were 11 of us. So we couldn't all get around one table. We had the tables close by to each other. But we weren't all, they weren't adjoining. So there's some ended up here, some ended up there, some were milling around, mm -hmm. doing other things and so forth. So I ended up at one table with uh, my youngest son, Chris, sitting next to me. Across the table was Betsy, my friend Don's wife, and one or two of her younger children. And there might have been someone else, but I, I can't recall exactly. And there was a lot of activity going on behind me to hear the kids chatting and so forth. My, my wife was cooking, and Don was kind of an interesting character. I could hear him talking. And, just you know, activity going on in the campsite. Yeah. And, and there, uh, by this time, the campground was starting to, people were starting to filter in. There were other, it wasn't full by any, any stretch of imagination, but there was a number of people there. But from where we were at that time, you could see completely across the campground, which you cannot now because uh, the tall trees that were just seedlings at the time we were there, grown up, uh, and you can't see the highway, you can't, eat, and looking in the other direction towards the west, you can't see the lake either because of the tall fir trees that have grown up on the, on the hillside. Okay, yeah, I remember being, well, I remember being, having a view of the lake, like our mm -hmm. campsites, we would see the lake. Yeah. I was told not to go down to the lake by myself. No, you couldn't get there. Right? <laughs> but uh, we could see it. We were, it seems like we were camping right on the lake. Yeah. In fact, we could, uh, from where I was sitting at this picnic table, I could, I could see the highway that ran from the angle of where I was sitting. I could see out of, out of the corner of my eye straight up the highway. And the highway was running north to Prospect and beyond up to the Crater Lake and so forth. And uh, as the highway came across the front of the campground, it curved probably, I would guess that it would have been to the southeast. It was a sort of a gentle curve there and then you kind of lose the highway. But I was sitting there and, we, and uh, chatting and eating and it was... Uh, Kind of an overcast day. It was not real bright, but uh, there was plenty of sunlight to see. But it was one of those sort of gray, slate gray, hazy, uh, hazy uh, Oregon spring days where, uh, and there were no clouds in the sky at all, which is not too unusual. Mm -hmm. So, as I, I something caught my attention out of the corner of my eye, and I looked up towards the highway. And I could see a glow, uh, something glowing, coming above the highway, but not terribly high, but down, straight down the highway towards the campground. And I could see a couple of lights shining up above, well above the surface of the road. And I kind of, in my mind's eye, thought, well, gee, 
that's an 18 wheeler you know the, mm-hmm. you catch a truck coming at you and they got the lights up on top of the, the, tr- the truck yeah and everything that's just what came in on my mind it's an 18 wheeler but it, it's, it just looked kind of odd so i didn't pay much attention to it until the next time i looked up and these objects were slowly flying uh, from the road over the campground and right in front of me. And I would guess, oh, they couldn't be terribly high. I would say 100 feet or less, probably. Right. Yeah, uh, no less than 100 feet. And high. you said it was uh, three different objects three different now? Objects. There were three objects in a kind of a loose triangular formation all flying in the same direction at the same speed no sound uh, there was one that would be way out way out to the front one way out to the back and the one in the middle was about three quarters of the way back from the uh, in distance from the object that was in front but up higher so that you can visualize a kind of a weird slanted uh, triangular type formation. That's mm-hmm. what they were doing. And they were going very slowly, very steadily, with no no motion other than straight, straight for wherever they were going. And did they go above your head or across in front Just of you? Just in front of my plane of view. Okay. And they were... I want to emphasize there was absolutely no communication or tele- telepathy or anything At like this, that. Right. We'll get into what you were thinking, but yeah. I want you to describe the what they looked like. Yeah. What were, do you remember them looking they like? They were solid balls of uh, uh, that had a sort of a metallic um, feel to them. They, they shined. I remember there was a reflection off of each one or at least one that I can recall. Mm-hmm. And around each one, there was a halo. And I think that, when I think about it now, that must have been what caused the glowing uh, thing that I spotted coming down the highway, the glow. From okay. Weird glow coming down the highway. Each one of these balls had a, had a halo around them that I could see through. I could see the through the halo. I could see the hills on the other side of the highway through this halo. And the ball itself was a color, right? Yeah, the, the balls were solid. You could not see through them. And they were, each one of them was colored. I, I have the, the impression that it was three different colors. One of, one of them I know was red. The other, okay. two, the other two could have been green and blue. But, but it was different than, than the one. The one that I kind of fixed on was the last one on the string. Okay. And then I noticed the one out way out in front of it and the other one slightly higher. And they went right over the campground. Like I said, couldn't have been 100 feet high. And, and went very slowly. I'm trying to think about the speed of the thing. Right in front of where I live, there's a 25 mile an hour speed limit. And cars, if they they do that go by at 25 miles an hour and it was that or slower and huh. more like 20 miles an hour 
So pretty it, slow. It very slow. Very slow. When I saw them, I just immediately thought to myself, huh, I'll be damned. They do exist. Because I thought about flying saucers. You were a little bit of a believer before yeah, this happened to you, correct? Yeah. yeah. And uh, But I was shocked at my own uh, reaction to it in that I remember thinking at the time, well, why don't I say something? I should be jumping up on this the bench of this thing and shouting and pointing and saying, look at that. Did you look around to see if any of us were no. seeing it as well? No, I did. I was just busy. I was fixated on watching the thing because okay. it, it was so weird and intriguing. But you weren't necessarily scared of it? No, I wasn't frightened. Um, That's I interesting. More, I was more bewildered by my own reaction and the lack of reaction, I guess, from uh, others, too. Because I could hear other people talking in the campground. You know, there wasn't anybody really close around us, but there was people within shouting mm -hmm. distance that uh, had campfires going. I could hear people talk and laugh and uh, dogs bark and kids play. And from where we were at that time, we could see all the way across the campground all the way to the entrance booth in, in one direction. And they had a clear view of the whole part of the campground uh, paralleling the highway. And then if you looked in the other direction towards the lake, you had a clear view of the lake and the hills beyond, mm -hmm. beyond the other side of the lake. So I'm watching this and it seemed, it almost seemed like it was in slow motion. And I'm trying to, trying to judge by how long it, the whole thing took as it went past and then disappeared, which I'll describe how it did that. Um, maybe four minutes. Wow, that's so, quite a long time. But it couldn't have been much more than that. Maybe three to four minutes. But yet, it, you know, when something like that happens, it does seem like it's in slow motion. Yeah. Anyway, so it's hard to tell. And uh, as the, I watch these things go across the campground, sitting there wondering, why am I not saying something? Why isn't anybody else <laughs> right. uh, saying something? And nobody was. You and were just kind of in a stupor. And bewildered. I was more bewildered at that than what I was seeing. Oh, interesting. To tell you the truth, I was more amazed by my, my reaction or lack of reaction to it than I, than I was by the objects. Huh. Although I've never seen anything like right. that before or since. So as they went out over the lake, the three balls all merged into one. And then as soon as they all came together, they shot straight up into the sky. I mean, lightning fast. It was an instant. And it, you saw it, a tracer? Up? Yeah, I saw like a tracer, like a white tracer as it went up and then disappeared. And that that couldn't have taken more than a couple of seconds. No sound. No it just... sound, no nothing, no... Um, smoke, no. Not no. A, smoke, no noise, not a ripple on the lake, nothing. Okay, so when it shot up into the sky, what did you do? Did you continue it, it, in your stupor? Or... No, at that point, I, I, I looked over. I don't know if I asked my son Chris next to me first or whether I asked... Betsy sitting across the table. I think it was 
I think it was Betsy. I kind of I looked at her and I said, "Does she from where she was sitting, she would be looking directly at the lake?" Okay. And uh, I said, "Did you see that?" And she just sort of, yeah. Okay, and so I, she saw it too. Yeah, and I says, "What was it?" And she's like, "I don't know." And I turned to my son Chris and I said, "Did you see that?" He said, "Yeah," and he was kind of like <laughs> in shock too. And Chris would have been about 13 at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, that was it. And then uh, I didn't say anything more about it. I didn't ask anybody else there. I didn't ask my wife or any of the kids. Which is Donna weird or... because you're such a talker. Yeah. And <laughs> I yeah. mean, you would think that this would be like yeah, I... the subject of the whole weekend. I normally talk people's ears off. So. But you never brought it up to anybody. No. Uh, you guys, we, you just dropped it, and we no. went along with yeah. our camping and trip. In fact, for the whole entire rest of the weekend, and we were there for three days, at least I think. But um, we did. We went hiking, and we did a lot of things and so forth all together in a group. And I never once mentioned it to anybody. Did you think about it though? Yeah. Oh, you did. I, I thought I kept sort of saying to myself, why aren't you saying something about this? Uh, why don't you mention this? And I just I just didn't. In fact, and that, that bewildered me more, why I didn't. It was not like I was receiving any kind of a message. From right, this, like, like don't say anything. Don't say <laughs> right, right, right. Or anything like that. No, uh, nothing like that. I, I also want to stay also, I think this is a key factor, uh, drinking while you go camping is so common. Mm -hmm. I know I do it every time I go camping. And on this particular trip, you had made it a point to not have alcohol at the campsite because your friend was recently sober, correct? So this couldn't have been you and some beer haze. On any other active time, it probably would have been. Yeah, but But that is important to mention, you know, that you weren't under the influence of anything when you saw these lights. Not uh, anything, alcohol or any sort of drugs or pills or anything. Yeah. So have you thought about why this happened to you or why particularly only you and Betsy and Chris could see it? Yeah. At the time? Um, I don't know Betsy that well. I didn't then, and I don't, certainly don't know now. So I don't know exactly what her personality was. She's a very pleasant person to be around, very fun-loving and so forth. But how she felt about these things, I don't know. My son Chris is very open to things like this. Chris is a free spirit. Yeah. I would say he's very, yes, very open and free and so forth. Nice. He's yeah, just yeah. open and nice. <laughs> Way he's more probably, than I am, he's man. Probably the nicest one. Yeah, time. he is for sure. Yeah. Except for my granddaughter <laughs> sitting over there waiting. But uh, uh, yeah, I I think I'm not a real ultra nice person or anything like that but I think I have an open mind mm-hmm. I'm willing to accept the possibility of things that I don't really know absolutely everything about sure I'm not the kind of person that believes everything I read see or hear 
but I at least entertain the possibility that things could that there could be things that we know absolutely nothing about. Yeah, and at the time, the, reminding everybody, this was 1984, and uh, based on your military experience yeah. and what you've seen up until that point in your life, this couldn't have been any. Mm thing that the military produced or not at that time and I had I wouldn't know what they have now but at that time 1984 there was nothing yeah that, that I was aware of that this could have been I don't I can't I don't this thing had to be obviously intelligently controlled by something whether it was whether there was something on board piloting these things whether they were just probes or drones or or who knows what, uh, but something brought them down that highway and across that campground and right out to, to the air above that lake. It was very deliberate, yeah, yeah. their and, and travel. merged them together and shot them up into the sky. I mean, and it went so fast that uh, if there was any sort of a pilot or something like that on board these things, it couldn't have been human because the G-forces alone would have squashed oh. and flattered a pancake. Because it was zoom. It was, it was just... instantaneous. Poof. And gone. You know? Hmm. So I don't think it was anything that we had on this earth or anything of ours mm -hmm. at that point. Where it was from, I couldn't tell you. I, I'm not professing... Uh, that it was aliens or anything. I, who knows? Yeah. I mean, there are so many theories uh, about things that I've learned since then. And you had moved up to Southern Oregon in about 1972. Yeah. And had you had you heard of activity in that area? Like, um, had you... I, uh, after I moved up in 72, I met a guy that I worked with that... Uh, don't name names. No, I'm not. <laughs> he was an interesting guy. And uh, we got to talking about uh, the subject one time, because I'd heard from some other source that uh, in the, the early 70s, late 60s, there had been some UFO activity in the Rogue Valley. Hmm. And I was asking, and he... I was still very new up there. Uh, like I said, I moved up there in 72, but he had been in the area for uh, two or three years or so. So I asked him if he had ever heard of anything like that. And you'd have to know the guy to understand <laughs> where I'm coming from. Okay. He was uh, kind of a guy. He was an ex-Marine, um, Vietnam veteran. He'd seen a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. He was not uh, a screwball in any sense. He was not suffering from PSV or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. But he was the kind of guy that was kind of close mouth and never really said much unless it there was some meaning behind it or there was a reason to say it. And when he did, it was usually something kind of profound. So I asked him about that. And did you ever say anything? He just said, you know... In his typical fashion, he was a very slow, droll kind of guy. Well, yeah, he did. I said, well, what? <laughs> and he said, well, I met one of them. 
What? And I said, what do you mean you've met her? I met a man on the road that wasn't a man. And I said, <laughs> That's when he walked nice. away from so I said, <laughs> tell me about it. And he just, no, 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 he didn't want to talk about it. Okay. So I never, I never pushed it with him. Uh, so that that's about the only thing that I'd ever heard about um, activity, activity in our area. In that area, I had I'd been aware of uh, UFO activity all my life, practically. Uh, from I was born in Inglewood, California, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. So there were reports when I was growing up in the forties. Uh, especially probably in the, from the mid to late 40s and into the 50s, of all sorts of UFO activity. And, and uh, it was generally kind of put down and made fun of mm -hmm. by the news media and so forth, or disclaimed or, or uh, uh, explained off as some, it was a weather balloon or it was a reflection or it was something. Um, and obviously some of, the, some of the reports were fakes, there was uh, a guy that, uh, uh, I think his name was George Adamson or something like that. He wrote a series of books, and he claimed to be always in contact with these tall, Nordic, beautiful, blonde creatures. And this was uh, in the 50s? Yeah, in, in, the, in the 40s or 50s. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, he met out in the desert, and he would always go out there to confer with them, and they were hmm. Venus or one thing or another. And it was so crazy that nobody really believed it. But there are other cases that were totally unexplained. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, uh, I was still just a kid in grade school and so forth at that time. So I didn't get really deep into it. But you definitely were a believer when this happened to you. I believed that there was something. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to see one. That's why I find it interesting that when it happened to you, you weren't like, everyone look you yeah. know just like so excited about it yeah, about finally and, and seeing me one too. and that was one of the most bewildering things because when i looked up and saw the things flying in front of my face across the campground i i immediately said to myself huh damn they're real hmm. and uh, it was like confirmation and it wasn't like i, I caught the reflection from an 18 wheeler going down the road and made and put some screwball thing together in my mind and say, oh, it's a flying saucer. Nothing <laughs> like that. I was not imagining anything. Yeah. It was real. It, and uh, whether, I believe you. Whether anybody believes me or not, it's immaterial because I sure. know what I saw. Sure, exactly. And that's just why we're sharing it today is because, you know, it was an unexplained thing that happened in Oregon and we find it interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is a story that you haven't shared with many people. Right. And in fact, you said that you were thinking about writing it all down yeah. for us, you know, or, or whatever. And now you don't have to because yeah, you've <laughs> put it out there for the world to hear. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Not that the world's listening to us, but... <laughs> I have the only people besides my daughter, my family, that, that I mentioned it to are some friends. I have four close friends that I, I that we've all known each other since junior high school practically okay and uh, we've remained in contact and 
So, but we're all different. I have different views. And what do they think about your experience? Well, I only mentioned it to two of them over the phone in a conversation <clears throat> once. I, I uh, told the story, and all the only reaction that I got was stone silence on the other end of the phone. <laughs> and uh, when I was finished, I got a, huh, and then a change of, su of subject. All right, or, so you knew or, not or, to. Or a huge pregnant silence. So I figured, well, if I say any more, they're just going to think I've finally gone over the bend or something. Yeah. And then the other, the other, one other of the four, I've never mentioned it to. And the third one is a close friend, and that we're in pretty much agreement in, in, a, in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. We share a lot of the same interests. We both uh, have the same political, social views, and we both like a lot of the same kind of music, we like to watch the same kind of movies, so forth. And uh, But on this subject, he is completely closed-minded. <laughs> and I think it's because he's just the kind of person that uh, if he has not personally experienced it himself, uh, he can't believe it. And a lot of people are that way. And so do you think that that's why you've kind of kept it tight-lipped? Like yeah, you just... Anymore, and then I say that it's just going to be like, I wish you'd shut up mm -hmm. you know, and uh, just drop the subject. Well, there's definitely a following for, I mean, there is, I mean, I've heard this same thing happen to people. That's what's so mm -hmm. interesting to me about it. Yeah, I've heard the, the three balls of light yeah. coming together and shooting up in the sky. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, at that time, the time that it happened, I had never even heard of anything like this. Uh, you always hear the typical saucer-shaped yes. things flying by and all of that. These these were not anything like that. Yeah. And uh, I knew that things existed. I was open to the possibility, but I hadn't done a lot of research reading about it. And at that time, we didn't even have cable TV. Mm -hmm. There was no internet. There was no... Now there's jillions of documentaries, tons of books that have been written. Oh, yeah, you could get sucked into so it. Uh, but there was no, nothing like that at that time. So as the years went by and more information has become available, available, I've looked into it. And as you say, I've run across other reports that are very similar. And uh, have you run across any in Southern Oregon, per no. se? I was kind of curious about that when we started talking about doing this episode, and I <clears throat> logged on to the internet, and uh, I think I put in Google uh, UFOs Oregon, mm -hmm. and the um, first thing that popped up was MUFON, Mutual uh, Unidentified Flying Object Network, and uh, it's a big um, reporting website and investigate uh, UFO investigation that's mm. Probably worldwide, so I, and I typed in Oregon, and what I was really looking for was something that had happened around the late '60s, early '70s. That you know that yeah that prompted me to ask my friend about this, and I was really shocked that the very first things in the top of the list were things that are happening right now in uh, uh, Southern Oregon per uh, se, it, well, or this, just all of Oregon, or in this area, uh, we live uh, central, 
Yeah, we live not too far from the coast. Mm -hmm. One of the first reports were there that last fall, a man and his wife were walking on the beach. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I can say the name of the town, Florence. Uh, and uh, this large triangular, black triangular object flew silently right above them, uh, across their view and was mm -hmm. gone. And there was a, another report of a similar object in uh, near Lincoln City, which is another city. So this MUFON website, you can go on there and read people's yeah, accounts, they, UFO they, accounts? Yes, is that their, okay? They have, in, in some cases, their name. That's yeah, and, something and, I'd get sucked into yeah, reading they, all day. They have a, you know, anywhere from a paragraph to a half a page or more of yeah. detail about what they saw. <clears throat> And if there had, if these reports had been investigated, there's a report on, on oh. what they what they think it was. In a lot of cases, it's just undetermined. Okay. You know, because if just you see it and nobody else is there, sure. How do you how do you prove what you saw? That's kind of like your case, but in your case, two other people did see it. Yeah. And you've actually had a conversation with Chris, my brother, about it. And yeah. he, although he doesn't remember in detail the balls like you do, the mm. halo per se and the color, but yeah. he remembers definitely yeah, it I, happening, right? I remember him years ago to kind of go, I don't want to drag this out forever, but uh, another thing that bewildered me is not only not saying anything at the time, but for a long, a long period of time thereafter, I didn't discuss it with anybody. Of course, when I mention it to your mother, it's... Yeah, really she's good. not really fond of it. You know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I can't convince her of anything. Totally. Uh, and uh, it was, oh gosh, I'm guessing three to four years after this, or, or more even longer, after this uh, camping experience, I was out, I went out to lunch with Don. Mm -hmm. The guy that was on this camping trip with us. And uh, he was meeting his wife at uh, this big place in Medford. And uh, we're sitting there. I, I asked her, I said, Do you remember that camping trip at, uh, up at Stewart? We went on a memorial day. And she just, <laughs> Yeah. She and knew that, what you were going to say exactly the minute you said say. it, man. And I says, well, what did you see? Because I saw something. So what did you see? And she says, I don't know. I don't know what it was. And I started to kind of uh, try to describe to her what I had seen. Uh -huh. But I got the impression right away, I don't want to talk about it. So, sort of thing coming Yeah. Up. So I just, I just clammed up and didn't say anymore. Now, whether or not she ever discussed it with Don and uh, talked about with him what what she saw, I, I have no idea. I never discussed it with Don. Yeah. Either. So that I well, know. that to me in my head makes a little bit more credible. I think uh, I believe you. I believe mm -hmm. you saw something, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you're making this up in no. any way. I did discuss it many years later, many years after that incident uh, with Chris. He was grown and gone uh, from home at that time. And um, I asked him 
Am I on that camping trip? Do you remember anything? Yes. And she said, yeah, something happened. I, and I said, well, what, what did you see? And he, could, he says, well, I don't really know what I saw. All I know is there was something strange. Hmm. So I described to him what I saw, but I, since then, this was 15 years or more ago, probably more like over 20 years ago, that we had this conversation. I haven't discussed it with him in detail since then because I'm glad because one of the things that I've been thinking is there's no way I can get a hold of Betsy to yeah. talk to her about what she saw, but uh, I was thinking maybe have Chris uh, sit down and write what he said or maybe have a conversation with you mm-hmm. about it and see if he what he remembers and if it anyway corroborates uh, what I saw or even a feeling that, that sure it would be one thing because he's probably just as bewildered maybe that he never talked to, to my knowledge he doesn't go around talk bragging about having seen a fly I don't think I've ever talked to Chris about this no. experience so, yeah uh, it, it's odd yeah well i just you know thanks for sharing it very brave of you to you know put it out there for everyone to hear that's listening to unexplained organ and um we just want to say thank you for sharing it i know you are probably you are someone that we've talked about maybe having on again just because you're so open and i know you have a couple of ghost stories yeah probably really silly so exactly when uh when we get on our next ghost episode uh we will definitely have yeah. another talk with dan and your brother's very interested in that too yeah and even tim has i think some yeah so uh thanks a lot for sharing and uh we really appreciate it you're welcome